the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The first mention of light in the scriptures is the first day of creation when God separated the light from the darkness, calling them day and night. The light, that light, returns on the fourth day of creation, when along with the greater and lesser lights, the stars were given as signs of fixed seasons, both daily and yearly. The creation of these signs in the sky coincides with the first language of rulership in the scriptures, with the greater and lesser lights ruling the day and the night. From the beginning of the creation, the lights in the sky were associated with governance and authority and also with proclaiming shifts in the times. By the end of Genesis, as the patriarch Jacob lay dying, he spoke to each of his sons concerning their descendants. To his fourth son, he said, Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. The authority that we saw emerge with the stars on the fourth day takes a special shape in a promised heir arising from the tribe of Judah, the fourth son. Four centuries later, as Israel journeyed through the wilderness to the promised land, from afar, the diviner Balaam declared by the Spirit, quote, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. Four centuries after this, a partial fulfillment of this prophecy would arise with King David of the tribe of Judah from the town of Bethlehem, whose kingdom at its height would extend further in all directions than any other king. And even though it proved to be short-lived through his personal failings, even so God promised to David, quote, when your days are fulfilled, and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. Together, these passages point to a star coming out of Israel that is also a king, not only for all the tribes of Israel, but for, also for greater and rival peoples, and even for Israel's ancestral enemies. In other words, that king will be a king for all peoples and for all times. As we read in Psalm 72, quote, The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Yea, all kings shall bow down before him. All nations shall serve him. In our gospel lesson, 
we see revealed what all of these visions anticipated. The appearance of that king and the star that signals the time of his kingdom. The magi who arrived at Jerusalem were likely descendants of the Chaldean wise men of Babylon and Persia, whom we see in the book of Daniel. By their account, they had been keeping what we would know as a good advent in the way they knew how, by being watchful so that they were in the right place to receive the revelation that was given to them. The star appeared to them in the manner, as they describe it, as the sun when it rises, in the very way that Zechariah spoke of the coming Messiah as, quote, the day spring from on high that should visit them. But then the star, that star, did what stars did not usually do, which was to move about and to direct the magi from afar. That star moved and then settled over the house in Bethlehem where Emmanuel was dwelling. The same language used to describe the fiery pillar that led the ancient Israelites through the wilderness and which settled over the tabernacle in the wilderness. In a terrible irony, however, even as they arrive by the leading of that star, they find the sitting king of Judea as the pharaoh of old, absolute in his clinging to power, and prepared to execute the murder of the Hebrew children. The appearing of Christ in his infancy signals the reorientation of the whole covenant people. Those who are far off and thought to be outside the covenant are led by faith to what they can see only distantly, while those who are very nearby are revealed to be blind and faithless. Likewise, in our epistle, St. Paul speaks to the Ephesians of the epiphany of, quote, the manifold wisdom of God that might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. As in the drama on the earth between Jew and Gentile, so in the heavenly places the revelation of Christ has also signaled a reorientation. Through Christ, those who are made co-heirs with him in the church now sit enthroned with him in the heavens, above even the angels and the archangels, and exceed them in their glory. The elevation of the lowliness of human nature brought about by the incarnation of the Son of God is now a joy to the angels who look on it and serve God, and it is a chastisement to those angels of light who strove with pride against God and were then displaced. The mystery of Christ has made what was humble exalted and what was exalted in its own imaginations to be humbled. There is no biblical epiphany that is not also an apocalypse. When God is revealed, he illuminates everything, not only what we would prefer to see by his light. Often when we pray, we ask for a revelation or a discernment, and God, answering this prayer, illuminates what we need to see 
though it is not always the thing we were looking for. The epiphany confronts the ways we think of illumination as knowledge to satisfy our sense of self-sufficiency and comfort. But illumination in the biblical sense is the uncovering of what is hidden, however those hidden things are to be found at the time they are uncovered. The gentle apocalypse of Christ's first coming is an opportunity to prepare for the good catastrophe and apocalypse of Christ's second coming, when he will judge everything as it is known in his light. Christ begins by revealing himself, but as he is manifested in his fullness, everything will be revealed for what it really is. As he says to his disciples, quote, No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel, or puts it under a bed, but sets it up on a lampstand, and those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. The Epiphany season leads us into the confidence that Jesus is able to save us because he is who he is said to be, and who he says that he is. Christ who makes himself known is the Christ who dwells in the heart of every Christian through the Spirit, there unveiling, as St. Paul says, quote, the unsearchable riches of God that cannot be known in any other way. Like the star that led the wise men, his epiphany signals the time of his everlasting kingdom and the place of it within creation, on the land, among a people, and in every human heart. As St. Peter says, quote, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Epiphany invites us to come and see him, to celebrate his appearing, to be converted to his kingdom and to reign with him. This begins in the place of every heart where Jesus Christ must be enthroned, as he is in heaven. It is there that he reveals himself, and from there he begins to reveal everything else. It is possible, though, that his epiphany will bring to light the ways, like Herod, we are determined to remain kings in our own right, and to usurp him at any cost. It is possible also for us to give into the same anxiety of the citizens of Jerusalem as they fixated on the fury of Herod as he sought to destroy the Christ and wondered in their anxiety what might come from it. In these temptations, we begin to experience what, will, what it will be like as we near the judgment day. We experience it now so that when it comes for all things, we will be able to stand fast with Christ as those who already know him, already know the kind of world that he is making, and to be those that he will proclaim that he already knows. The epiphany signals the massive shift into these last days 
And what we see in our gospel is the shape of things to come as the world settles into either its celebration and welcome and worship of the Christ at his glorious appearing or else its rejection of Christ. We cannot stop these from being the last days. We cannot stop it from being the end of the world. We can only remain with Christ as he overcomes that world and makes all things new, beginning with each of us. As Jesus says in Revelation to the church at Thyatira, quote, And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations, as I also have received from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. And as St. Paul says to St. Timothy, quote, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.